welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. Hello, everybody. You are not webheads this week. You are football heads. Uh, welcome to Sports Carnage. I'm Ryan Griffin. Of course, we have Paul Roshan, Matt Basson, and AJ Riley, unfortunately, not with us this week. But we do have a special guest, author extraordinaire, former member of the podcast, season ticket holder to the Cleveland Browns, and a founding <laughs> member of the Dog Pound. That last part might not be true, but we do have the one, the only, Dylan Bear uh, with us. Welcome back, Dylan. And Dylan wanted to join us this week because he wanted to talk about the NFL. We've been lacking on the football content, admittedly. But with the season starting up, we just had the first week of preseason games, Hall of Fame games. The Lions invented another new way to lose in just their first preseason game under Dan Campbell. So nice to see the regime just just keep going with with everything that we've already been, uh, been, been fed. But we have this football show for you, going to be exclusively focused uh, just to get you guys ready for the NFL season. That's and right. since it was Dylan's idea, I'm going to let him kind of start us off. So, yes, ah, I'm back. I'm back with a new quarterback. Hey-ho for the Chicago Bears. No, not yet. Not yet. Well, I, very true, because if it does happen, he will literally die. But. Uh, okay, so the, we're, this is the preview show for the NFL because I'm jazzed, as Ryan had alluded to. Just all the NFL? Uh, it's all. I, just the whole thing. I'm just so excited for it. It's just the NFL in total, some total. Because to be fair, I, it's not just y'all. In general, it feels like the NFL has kind of had a hushed sort of thing going on with this Delta variant. Everybody's afraid sports is going to stop. It's not going to stop the NFL. I'll guarantee you that. And... We're going to be talking about to fill everybody in because NFL is life. And there's a starting point that is going to be the easiest thing to discuss, at least in my purview, which is regarding the Super Bowl matchup from last year. As I incorrectly have pointed out elsewhere, the Kansas City Chiefs actually improved their offensive line and learned their lesson. I guess my question (laughs) to both of you is... I really don't see how, at least from a betting perspective or just a prediction perspective, how you can't see how like anybody could say anything other than a repeat. It really just feels like it's going to be Tampa KC two. Oh, I I very much disagree with that. I think the I think the NFC is super wide open. I do want to clear up something from the very beginning of the podcast, though. Uh, Ryan's run on introduction. Uh, Paul Not is necessary. here. By the way, he did say uh, it that. Is just, I did it, say that. He he literally said he literally said Paul Roshan, Matt Basson, AJ I, Riley. I, I, unfortunately, I not here. No, he did not. Your and, computer I, is. We, we will I, rewind I, the I, tape. I think I said I'm Ryan Griffin and Paul Roshan is here as yeah, always. No, <laughs> we'll, we we will check the tape. But I just I want to clear that up for anybody that's a little confused. I am here. Um, I I think the uh, NFC is super wide open and super interesting. Um, I do agree with you in the AFC. Uh, I, I think we're in lockstep. As good as the Bills are, I think they're a little bit one, too, a little bit too one-dimensional on offense. Um, they, it's not that they can't do it. Um, if well, things go, you are. Oh, hold on, I don't. I want to make sure that we're not getting 
getting jumping around on teams here. What I want to start out with is, it, okay, let's start from your one point that you said about the NFC being wide open. From a Tampa perspective, considering that they didn't suffer the same way a lot of Super Bowl champions do where their team gets broken apart because everyone takes heels, it, this is, I mean, it is miraculous. It really yeah. is that they brought everyone back. Yeah, I said they brought up back all their starters, right? Every all single of them? one. Yeah, every single one. That has never happened. Never. They Usually you lose at least one or two stars, and it looked like that was going to be the case. So, okay, so let's go from your jumping off point where you said the NFC is wide open. With that context in mind, how is it not Tampa-based to, to lose in the sense that, like, I would put them at, like, a minus – 400 to win the NFC. See, I I think that's bonkers. I wouldn't if if you gave you you'd have to give me at least 3 to 1 on them to win the NFC for me to consider betting it. And it's not that I don't think they can. So you you brought up a lot of good points. They did something that Super Bowl teams don't do. They brought back everybody. And th- th- we always knew they had a two-year window. I-, I would say that everyone agreed that they really were going to go after this for two years, and then God knows what was yep. going to happen after that. Just two like years. the Broncos, they shocked everybody and won it the first year, which is super, super cool. They Tom Brady first year with a new team goes out, they win the Super Bowl. It wasn't just him; they had a really good team behind him. Everyone pulled together. They won the Super Bowl in their own stadium. Super cool story, and now they're back to run it back. But they were fortunate last year in a handful of regards. Now, uh, we're not going to talk about Casey's injuries because you specifically were talking about them repeating in the NFC. So I don't I, I don't want to talk about their fortunes in the Super Bowl. Not, yet, not, not the Super Chiefs yet. Not the Chiefs yet. We're just the NFC. But a lot has changed in the NFC. First thing, last year, NFC was pretty banged up. Uh, the 49ers that everyone wants to write off as dead that were in the Super Bowl just a couple years – have had Chargers level injury luck, but they've done it while having a much better talent base. Like they have just had unbelievably poor luck with injuries. If they can stay healthy this season, if Jimmy G can stay healthy and God forbid, maybe even progress a little bit as a quarterback, they are a legitimate threat and they are a legitimate threat because it starts up front, right? They're great. Except for health, but we, we have to assume Every team in the NFL, it's a blank slate that you're going to have average health luck. Like, you assume just by the odds they're not going to get decimated. Like You they know have what I can also year. assume, though, is that there is a gaping problem with the, well, two of them. But one of them is on their staff. They did lose what I think all of us would agree was a consummate genius at defensive coordinator. That is a net Well, loss. we believe so. We, we, we do believe – we do believe – that Robbie was fantastic, right? One of the Robbie. best defensive coordinators Robbie. in the NFL. <laughs> Listen, I've changed his name because I'm still bitter that we didn't, also, we didn't hold pull on. the trigger. Whether so, or not he succeeds with Robbie. the Jets doesn't change the fact that he was a consummate professional with everything that you just said about their injuries. The fact they were even as good as they were is proof of concept. Oh, I don't. He, he did an excellent job of leading that defense through all the injuries, but he's gone what we hope is not gone is all of their talent staying healthy this season. They're really stout in both, both offensive and defensive lines. They have a really good running back. They have one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. They were, I do believe they replaced Salah in-house, correct? Right, but I, I, my 
point to that is that it is a net negative regardless. Like, it, it just inherently, by losing him, the first guy, even if he winds up being okay, he's not going to be as good. It's just an intrinsic. For sure he's not. So, so oh, no, you, hey, you know who their have... defensive coordinator is? It's uh, D'Amico Ryans, the former linebacker. Oh, shit. Oh, beautiful. From I Houston Texans fame. Yes, sir. Well, we, we all agree that as far as defensive play calling, no, they're not going to still be at the at, at the level that Salah Which had them at. problematic but when they that are doesn't, in that division. That's a problem. Well, yes and no, because that division doesn't have the best offensive lines, which we'll get to in a little bit. Except in San Francisco, where they have a very good offensive line, a very good defensive line, and just talent across the board and now and, and now you got vaccinated money. nick bosa it's crazy <laughs> oh my goodness so regardless I, I don't want to spend too much time on the niners but the niners i think are a team that everybody kind of forgets about just because of the injury luck they've had the last I couple forget years about and they're they absolutely don't have a quarterback either oh my they goodness so, hold on so jimmy g is not that they bad have, he's not good like he's not like he's not a top 10 quarterback but he is not that bad. He has he has had injury issues of his own. And what is nothing is preventing him. Like we haven't seen anything that says he can't take another step forward. How large that step would now, be. Now I'm not arguing whether or not the 49ers are going to be a 10, 11, 12 win football team. That's not what I'm saying. I am arguing this. Uh, we're talking about winning the NFC. I'm talking about explicitly beating Tampa, which will winning the NFC. Which will not happen with Jimmy G. It won't. I, I that is where my I, minus four hundred. I don't. From. I don't no think you can say chance. that. And God yeah. knows, I, I know he's bionic, but Tom Brady's arm could fall off at some point this year. I mean, we saw it happen to Peyton. That's he, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, you like you obviously can't say it definitively, right? If you had both teams right now, would you take Tampa? Probably, but I do think it's a reach to say that for that the 49ers or one of these other teams that we're going to talk about in a minute, one I'm sure you know we're we're going to serve up for for Paul on a plate that they can't beat Tampa in like a one game NFC Championship sample size to get to the Super Bowl. Like I don't think Tampa is that far and ahead above the rest of the NFC. This is where I guess well, t- continuity, especially for a for a team as old as they are matters just so much more than anything that any of these other teams are going to be able to put together. In, so, to me, it so it matters. It matters for Tampa, but the lack of continuity is going to be a big plus for some of these teams. And one of those teams is neighbors in the NFC West with the 49ers, the LA Rams. The LA Rams have the biggest addition of the offseason. Nobody would disagree with that, right? No, they they actually way. brought in actually brought in a quarterback in the golf, regardless of what you think of Stafford, which everybody knows I'm extremely high on the, there is a golf between Goff and Stafford. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it is not even That's, comparable kind of a, it, and it's not, it's, it's not just that, Oh, Stafford's really good. He's a better quarterback. He can throw different passes that Goff doesn't even attempt. It's the way that McVay can now build his ideal offense there are sections of the field that Goff was not capable of consistently getting the ball you mean to. Downfield? That he wasn't even willing. So, and I don't want to. Goff has a little bit of Alex Smith syndrome. Alex Smith, Excuse everybody. Me? Well, so I, I'm going to make this comparison. Not because, listen, I know you love Alex Smith. I'm not knocking Alex Smith in any way, but 
Alex Smith, for a long time, gained a deserved reputation as a game manager. Correct? Until Harbaugh came around, ironically. Until, even a little bit with him, and they started to stretch a little bit. But, yes, he was a long time considered a game manager, basically. Even when he went to KC, he was considered a game manager. So I wouldn't say until Harbaugh came around, because... He started to stretch it later in his career, but for a long time, Alex Smith was considered a game manager. What Alex Smith had was a cannon. Alex Smith coming out of college was known for his arm strength. It wasn't that he couldn't push the ball downfield. It was that for whatever reason, he was unwilling to take those risks, whether it's that he didn't trust his arm or the accuracy or the the offense that he was playing in. He was unwilling to take those risks. Goff has some arm talent. He went number one overall for a reason. He doesn't have the worst arm in the league, but... We have seen it, whether it's because of the lack of trust, of whether whether it was because he's just incapable of doing it consistently and accurately, whether it's because he doesn't read the field to make that play enough, he doesn't push I'm gonna, the ball I'm going to tell field. you something just as a, as a quick aside for everyone, because I fantasy betting, all that's on the table. Fantasy-wise, at least for me, Dark Horse, like, eight, round 8 to 10, Cooper Cup, I have a very strong feeling he's going to be a top 15 receiver, maybe top 10. Uh, I mean, he's, he's done it before, and I actually do like that you touched on fantasy a little bit, and I don't want to obviously dive all into that now. Right. It's just so but oh, if we had like a section podcast, later, like I'm, I'm, I'm all about fantasy. Uh, but, I mean, he's done that before, and he's Cooper Cup's obviously just been like a very good receiver throughout the, the I, course of his I just career. have a feeling that it's going to be like a – a feeling type emergence. Yeah, it could be. Th- I mean, if you even look at like what obviously Golden Tate did when uh, when he was in Detroit with Stafford, and Tate and Cup have a lot of the same you know kind of skill sets. Sure. Uh, a one thing I do think about the Rams is going to be interesting, and it's a theory that you know both you and Paul have promoted throughout really, however long I've known you guys, is that skill players don't matter. And if the Rams are able to do this, that will be that theory like tenfold because the Cup is good, Robert Woods is good, but I don't think you would ever say either of those guys are great. Even if you think Cup's about to have like a, a breakout, I don't know that anyone would say Cooper Cup's a top 10 receiver in the league and obviously Cam Akers is out for an extended period of time. Um, so you're running with like Darrell Henderson, um, I don't even know who else they have at Malcolm Brown. Honestly. No, Malcolm. Do they still have Malcolm Brown? No, I thought he left. Yeah, he I went, think so. Yeah, no, they don't else. have Malcolm. Mal- Malcolm Brown's in Miami now. It- it's Daryl Henderson and Xavier That's Howard is going to be the, okay. the one-two. Yep. So, like, your your skill and, you know, their tight end, they don't have, like, a Kelsey. Tyler or, Higby. Or what used to be, you know, like like a Gronk or George Kittle. Another whoever. sleeper fantasy maker. So, like, well, it's – and not again, not that any of these players are like bad, bad, but you don't have any one person that's like great or that's going to stand out. Even if they have a good like fantasy year, you know, Cooper Cup or something. I don't think anyone's going to be saying that Cooper Cup is a top well, 10 it's receiver. It's because Cooper Cup's uh, value in, in the NFL, even if he's underrated. Right, but the so reason I think for... this year, especially if the Rams are able to do it, it's going to be something that kind of puts that theory to the test. Uh, and they're obviously improved. They still have a great defense. You know, you have Jalen Ramsey. You have uh, you have Aaron Donald. <laughs> Come on, obviously. Um, 
is really just going to be, you know, obviously can their own line stay up? And honestly, can Stafford play better than he has in his entire career with the Lions? <laughs> and not, no, and it's not that, and I obviously I shit on Stafford sometimes. It's mo- mo- mainly, excuse me, just to get a reaction out of Paul. But I think Stafford will have to elevate. I think he'll have to play better than he's played probably at least like since like 2011 where he had the 5,000 uh, 40 touchdown year to, to really kind of take this Rams team where they want to go. And I'll also say this is his best, obviously opportunity to do it because now he's with Sean McVay um, and he's with this Rams team that he might not have some of the singular weapons that he's had when he was with Detroit, obviously when he had Calvin, when he had, you know, golden Tate. Um, But I think just as a collection, it's a more well-rounded offense. Um, maybe than he's had in Detroit. It may be even equal to two or on par some of those years, but some of those years Detroit had like a top five offense, so that wasn't always yeah, the, but, uh, oh, here's the, pro- you know, the, the, the problem with, with the team. Uh, but I think Stafford's going to have to elevate his level of play too, and if that's something that he can do, um, then I think the Rams can absolutely kind of be in that contention. I would agree with Dylan that right now Tampa Bay might be a tier above everybody else. But I don't know that the gap is as wide um, from Tier 1 to Tier 2 as I think it might be in the AFC where you have the Chiefs and then everyone else is just kind of hoping for either like a lucky off day or an injury to the Chiefs that makes everything uh, that they kind of even out the playing field. Maybe like you saw in the Super Bowl where they had you know two of their starting five offensive linemen or maybe it was three, um, you know, obviously obviously out. So, okay. So, so, so I, there's a, there's a- I, I want to – hold on. Hold on. I want to touch real quick on the Rams fantasy aspect that Dylan brought up. Um, one of Robert Woods or Cooper Cup is going to be wildly more valuable than his draft position. The problem is, I don't know which one. Stafford, his entire career, has shown not just a willingness, but a want to absolutely spread the ball all over the place. And they are, especially in McVay's offense, they are going to do exactly that. Higby is going to catch passes. Those backs wait, 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 are going to catch who? a lot of passes out of the backfield. Uh, I'm sorry? Tyler Higby? Oh, That's I, his name, right? Yeah, I heard Higley. I'm sorry. I want to make sure we have the name right. Well, because no, he's no, not no, a very right. well-known guy, um, so I want to make sure we know. No, that's fine. He's one of those, like, kind of flyer backup tight ends you're definitely going to want to Oh, for sure. In, in the backs are going to catch plenty of passes out of the backfield. Deshaun, 90-year-old Deshaun Jackson has been getting rave <laughs> yeah. reviews. Has been getting rave reviews in camp. And why is he doing that? Because he is the fastest player on the Rams team, pretty much. I mean, even even at his advanced age, at least on the offense, he's one of the few that can actually... he is one of the few that can actually stretch the field in ways that Robert Woods, 4-5-40, and Cooper Cup's like 4-6-something-40, oh, just thought, do not do. Ooh, I what, thought Woods what, was way faster. No, he's, he's not like a 4-5. Hold on, he's not faster, like but Robert Woods is the deep, quote-unquote, downfield target. Well, he's not anymore. That's why they brought in Deshaun Jackson. But the, the, the best way to put it, <laughs> what Ryan was trying— what Ryan was trying to describe with the skill position players and the receivers in particular is what the Rams lack is your prototypical X receiver, your Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins type the receiver. It's out, out wide, pressed on, pressed on the line, is going to just obliterate that one-on-one coverage every time. They don't have that guy. And 
what Ryan said about how how much I harp on skill position and Dylan as well harp on skill position players don't matter. It, no. It's all these other things that matter more. The problem here in LA is the thing to me that matters the absolute most is the offensive line. And I have huge questions about the Rams offensive line. So while the skill position, it's going to be really hard to overcome. I don't think, I actually really like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I don't know how much Deshaun Jackson has left in his tank, but I mean, Jesus, the way they talk about him in training camp, you'd think he was 24. And he'll he'll have a 20-point week one performance and give you 20 points the rest of the season. Yeah, because he's going to be Yeah, that's, a, that's about how it's going to be. That's what happened last year. But he got injured. That is what happened they, last year. They have, I, I think they have enough weapons if the offensive line can be at least average. And really, you want to see them at that above average mark. Like, be a top 12 offensive line in the NFL, and, and they really have a chance to be a special offense. What I think this really puts to the test is how important the offensive coordinator is. Because regardless regardless of how good Stafford is, if McVay can make it work with what they have, their probable lack of a above-average blocking offensive line and their lack of a prototypical X receiver, he has to really game plan week in and week out. And I'm not saying... He has has to be boy wonder. He has to be genius boy. Well, see, I I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I am not at all saying that the Rams' offense lacks talent. I actually think they have a ton of talent. It's just not... (laughs) Your typical talent, and it's not the typical way that you prefer an offense to be built, that you can go out and say, man, this offense is going to be well, sweet. Like, I look I, I, I look at the Titans in Tennessee, right? Ah, and I see hogs jumping. on an offensive line. I see. I, well, I, I'm just using them <laughs> as an example. I'm not going to dive into them yet. But I look, I see hogs on an offensive line. I see a really good talent in the backfield. And you have prototypical receivers to complement each other in Julio Jones and Deion, or Jesus Christ, um, A.J. Brown. And you can say, wow, that's going to be that, – that is the makings of – you can do whatever you want as an offensive coordinator. You can, you can pound the rock. You can run play action. You can te- deep shots downfield with speed, deep shots downfield with size. You can crossers over the middle. The only thing they don't really have anymore with the loss of Jonah Smith is tight end. But no, who even cares anymore at that point? Like they have how you prototypically – Man, no deep dive on don't, the don't, tight don't they, have, don't they have Berkshire? Is that the title? Yeah, that is exactly who they are. This is not the AFC title. It's not a deep dive. That's I'm not deep diving. I was just that's prototypical. The Rams do not have that. You said something that is what I was going to correct Ryan on, and we both agree. It is not proof of concept about whether skilled players matter or not. It is going to be proof of concept just how correct we both were on how good Sean McVay is. Because I would argue that if the Rams' offensive line does grade out at like an above-average uh, sort of rating, that will be because of his scheme. This sort of team structure very much resembles the 2010s iteration of the New England Patriots. In that, there is no star receiver to speak of, but there are good ones. The running game is schematically very good, even if there is not a real star there. The offensive line is fine, but the reason why it's really as good as it is is because of the scheme. With a quarterback, that has the confidence for the scheme to be fully realized. I would argue... What? 
I say what the tens Patriots had though was the best pass catcher in the NFL. He wasn't a receiver, but that's the best offensive threat in the NFL. That's not a quarterback. Which... I, I, I will, I will, I will go one further. They had the best offensive player, possibly in NFL history. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I, I. That's not hyperbole no. to me because I, no tight end, it, a tight end, the way that he played tight end. This isn't so much more than everything else. The past, it is just an example. If you don't agree with the exact one for one, I I don't. I actually do agree with you. I don't only because I think I think that's such a like a big omission because I think that's how good Gronk was. I say the I don't know that the example is like bad, but the reason why I would argue though that like the reason why I'm bringing this up is it again just a light part portion of the fantasy aspect. I really think everyone should be going into the season treating Cooper Cup the same way that they did Julian Edelman when he was healthy. Julian Edelman was a consistently very high-grading receiver, despite the fact that, again, statistically he did fantastic, but no one would ever consider Julian Edelman to be like, oh my god, he was a top 10 receiver in the NFL, unless you're like... I mean, Julian Edelman, like, I'm sure you've heard it. And I, it's nothing I subscribe to, but there are people who are telling you like Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. Well, I would, I but would agree. A, a with lot that. of that is from achievement, not. But I also would argue that the reason, statistically. but the thing that Cooper Cup does excessively well that everyone has said, even when Goff was throwing the ball to him, and it's also something that I would also argue that Julian Edelman was fantastic at, which is not like a oh he's white so he's really good at this, but they <laughs> are fan. Fantastic runners. And that is something that Cup is going to be able to exploit so much better because of Matthew Stafford to where I, I I keep harping on this, but like between the two of them, Paul, as you were saying, oh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, there is no doubt in my mind Cooper Cup is going to finish the season, aside from injury, as a top 10 fantasy receiver and just overall for the success of the team. I think that they're going to have that type of success so I am I'm really loving your comparisons tonight so far. Uh, first of all, I, I like I like the Pats comparison because the, the crux of your point to break it down very simply is you are looking at a genius play caller being super in sync with a quarterback and those two guys just making the offense hum no matter who's on it. Right? Like that's what you're saying. And, and that's what if the Rams offense is gonna go, that's exactly what it's gonna be. It's gonna be McVeigh and Stafford having just a beautiful, beautiful relationship. And McVeigh is pulling all the strings like a puppet master, and Stafford is getting the ball exactly where it needs to go. And e- even though these guys aren't bad, these skill position players, you don't even need a Gronk and you don't need a Randy Moss to be super, super good, which is specifically why you said 2010s. Another comparison I like, I really love the Cup and the Julian Edelman when you're comparing those two teams, and even more something you said a little bit ago when you talked about Golden Tate. I love that Golden Tate comparison for this reason. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I mm. didn't need to steal credit from you, Ryan. All right, Ryan. You mentioned <laughs> Golden misquoted Tate. me earlier. So and everyone, everyone, everyone on point with the comparisons tonight. Why does why does it matter so much to me you compare Golden Tate and Cooper Cup? Well, one, they're slot receivers, obviously. Right. But we saw – we've seen Golden Tate in a few places. We saw him – his – 
career begin and kind of blossom a little bit in Seattle, but never like super take off like crazy. And he had a, he had a good thing going with Russ Wilson, but he didn't really blow up until he got to Detroit. And yes, we have a different kind of offense. We throw the ball a little more, but Stafford really thrives with those type of receivers. And part of the reason he does is the precise route running that can get in those windows that Stafford can hit them and not just hit them, but hit them and strive to get huge yards after catch for multiple years in a row Golden Tate led the entire NFL in yards after catch. What does Cooper Cup excel at? What has Cooper Cup done better than almost anyone else in the NFL? Yards after catch. It is the same thing, and it's something that will be a huge upgrade from Goff for him. He he did this with Goff. Yeah. Goff's often errant passes, right? Passes that you have to break stride to grab or go low to get or reach behind you to get. And all quarterbacks have these. But the consistency that Stafford will bring hitting these guys where they need the ball to continue on, is it's going to be night and day from Goff. So you have a guy in that Golden Tate and that Julian Edelman role, and now you're upgrading him. Because Golden Tate always played with good quarterbacks until after Detroit, right? He had Russ Wilson, then he had Matt Stafford. Julian Edelman played with Tom frickin' Brady, right? Cooper Cup played with Jared Goff. And before Jared Goff, it was even worse. So... I, now he gets the best quarterback that he's ever played with by far. And he is going, I agree with Dylan hundred percent. He has that top 10 potential. The only thing that I think could possibly, that might hold him back. I just think they're going to really distribute the ball and it makes things harder to project on a consistency basis. But I, I think he is perfect for Stafford. And then you have When you're in three wide receiver sets, you got Deshaun Jackson on one side, you got Robert Woods playing that X position, even though he's not a super traditional X. I I think it could go really well. The offensive line scares me. It does. And that's where I have trouble projecting the Rams to beat Tampa Bay, maybe even to win the division, because I don't know if you guys looked at the NFC West, but it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, the worst team in the NFC West is the Cards. And if the Cards don't have a winning record this year, they're probably starting over with their coach. So that 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 tells you what their expectations are for the season. And then, yeah, Seattle has their problems, but they got it's probably the second or third best quarterback in the entire NFL. Uh, and they have a beloved coach, regardless of whether you think he's a little bit overrated or not. I know Dylan is probably some of the shine uh, of Pete Carroll's worn off. But... They're not a team that is going to be a pushover. They're not a team that you can look at and be like, that's two wins on the schedule. So the NFC West is going to be a slaughterhouse this year. One of the better divisions that I've seen in my 25 years of watching football. I'm going to have the shine on Pete Carroll completely removed for paying $75 million (laughs) to a goddamn glorified linebacker. Pete Carroll did not do that. No, he's personnel. Pete Carroll is is the personnel guy. He is the one who I think he like serves as like a pseudo GM. Aren't they paying two linebackers? I think because isn't that just Bobby Wagner's contract? <laughs> yeah, something well, like that. Bobby Wagner deserves right. the money, but Bobby, yeah, but there's a linebacker. Exactly. No, I'm saying that Bobby Wagner is worth it. Uh, my bad, my bad, my bad, bro. But also, but what is with the phones? No, but Jamal, Adam, but Jamal Adams, they gave away all the first round picks Randy just to get nice. him, and then seventy five mil. No, thank you. And to be fair, Paul and I already know about Arizona; they're going to underachieve again. So, 
I just I don't want to dis dis uh dis. I don't want to slow your roll, but I uh it's funny you talk about giving them giving all the first round picks just to, for the right to shell at seventy five mil, and I'm just sitting here thinking like, isn't that exactly what the Bears did with Khalil Mack? Not exactly. Uh, again, we've discussed this. I don't like. I don't think they're nearly as bad because again. The Khalil Mack thing, we traded our picks for him, fine, but where am I now? I mean, with or without that trade, that doesn't change anything for me. But one could argue, because Seattle already had Russell Wilson, those first-round picks could have been offensive linemen. They could have been another running back to back up Chris Carson. They could have been any number of things. So, like... I would I would argue they would could also be less valuable because they have the quarterback in place. Fine, but if fundamentally I'm never going to agree with the trade that they made. So one thing I will say about Arizona, and it's just a testament to what the West is, they are definitely the best fourth place team in the NFL. The bottom of most of these conferences, most teams are looking at is basically free wins. I mean, look at anyone that, that the Lions are playing on their schedule, right? Kick it over to any division you really want to. The Cardinals is your fourth team. Like, that's still not, you still got to show up to play to win. The problem for the Cardinals is if you show up to play, and I know Ryan disagrees, but I think any decent team that does show up to play is beating the Cardinals. So the the thing that the Cardinals, I guess, would have going in their favor is last year they lost a ton of games by, uh, like, one possession. And usually when you're a young team and you get older, that balances itself out, right? But uh, obviously the tough part is that the division they're in is super competitive and it's super tough and it's six guaranteed games that are, you know, basically going to be a, a war one way or another. Um, but you saw them beat, you know, obviously you saw them beat the beat the Bills last year. Granted, they had the Hail Mary, although they probably played better in the game anyway, so maybe they shouldn't have been in that spot. I think they beat the Seahawks. I know they beat them once. I'm not sure if they beat them twice. So they they can prove, obviously, that they're not uh, like a team that you can just sleepwalk over, right, and that you have to prepare for them. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They added A.J. Green. That is... So the part that worries me about the Cardinals is that that's kind of their plan or that was their plan is one. Okay, so I'll go back at first. What worries me about the Cardinals is I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury is a very good coach. Um, I don't like a lot of his third down calls. And I just think in short yarded situations or from like maybe the 40 to the end zone, he's he's not not the best coach that uh, that you want running your team. Now, can you overcome that and make to the playoffs? Probably. Are you going to do anything in the playoffs if that's the case? Usually not. But with the Cardinals, their offseason plan, they added talent, but a lot of it was like wash talent. So you added A.J. Green to DeAndre Hopkins, but A.J. Green hasn't been good in a couple years. It's not saying he can't be good this year, but I think... I think they're probably relying on A.J. Green to be a little bit more than what he is. Um, So you still do have Christian Kirk and you have Rondale Moore there. So they have the chance to be a very good receiving unit. Um, But, again, A.J. Green is just not like a – it's not anything you can bank on at this point. And for the running game, they added James Conner. Same thing. He got booted out of Pittsburgh so they could bring in, uh, you know, Najee Harris, another another cast off, you know, veteran. Although he's obviously younger than AJ Green is, 
And then on the defensive end, you know, you brought in J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive players ever, but a guy who's coming off injury and is coming off seasons where he's, of course, you know, out of his prime. So I think if you're probably like a Cardinals fan, you're probably putting a little bit too much expectations on those guys to come in and do uh, and do what you want them to do. And if you're being realistic about it, you hope that they can have something left in the tank. But how often do we see that from three different players, right? Usually it's like, okay, they brought in these three or four guys and one of them has something left in the tank and they show you a flash of what they used to be. Think about, uh, you know, like Adrian Peterson after he left the Vikings, I forgot the first team he went to, maybe the Redskins, but he had like a thousand yards and it was like, Oh, Adrian Peterson can still do this after the ACL injury. You know, obviously after all the, uh, all the legal kind of shit that he went through. Um, but you're not getting that from all three or all four of your signings, you know, and it's not even like they end up being serviceable. They usually just end up being like, (laughs) like straight bust. So I think the Cardinals are going to be a team that's a lot better on, uh, like on Madden or, you know, Kyler Murray's probably going to be like a really good fantasy quarterback, but I don't know how many wins that's going to translate into the Cardinals because I don't trust the coaching staff and some of the offseason additions that they did make. I don't expect them to put them over the hump like probably the Cardinals, you know, front office was hoping, only because they were they weren't able to get like fresh talent or talent that was a, about to you know kind of burst onto the scene they got talent that was already washed and already cast off from these other different places i love kyler murray obviously deandre hopkins is great um i just don't know that they improved so much especially in this division with the other teams that uh you know that have improved that you're going to be able to um to convince me that this is a team that's like for sure a, a wild card spot even with even with the uh, the expanded wild card, um, I think they'll obviously fight for it. Nine and eight, ten and seven, somewhere around there. Uh, but as far as like a twelve win team goes, I don't think they take that step. Kind of regardless of how Murray performs, um, I think he could perform at like a Russell Wilson level, and they'll still be like a 10-11 win team maximum. All right, that that's exhaustive for the NFC West. So I guess the next thing is the. They deserve oh, right. it. And, and a lot of interesting teams. No, I, I mean, I know. And teams with question marks, fair. for real. So the, the thing is, is that to kind of, I guess, brush through a few of them a little quickly, my personal thoughts on the NFC South and the NFC North, they are... Oh, we know good. your thoughts on the NFC South. Well, yeah, but I mean, but again, I think that it is two teams out of eight that are at least good, and the rest are going to be cannon fodder for the rest of the conference. I think, to be fair, a a lot of those wins the NFC West are going to get when they're not destroying each other. The NFC West and the NFC North all play each other. That's a lot of wins that they're going to get as as a division that way. I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to implode. I think the Lions are kind of building. I think they'll be better than expected, but still not great. And I think the Bears are also going to wind up imploding. Uh, and as far as the NFC South, New Orleans is rebuilding. Carolina is rebuilding. Atlanta is about to rebuild with a quarterback that's ancient but also sucks. So not much to say there, in my 
so I I, I think that's I think it's a little stretched too far. I don't think Matt Ryan sucks, and I don't think by quarterback standards he's ancient. He's old. He's not he's not a top five quarterback, but I think Matt Ryan far from sucks. I think that offense can actually be really good this year. Um, I don't know if they have enough pieces to contend or mix it up. I also disagree with your contention that New Orleans is rebuilding, just because I think it's too early to say that. We don't know what their post-breeze looks like, and that roster is not a rebuilding-level roster. Like, if well, I could pick, but their cap situation is going to make them implode. If or I could they pick, want to or not. if I could pick any quarterback in the NFL to add to Detroit's roster, or I can take the Saints' roster as is, I'm taking the Saints. Like. 10 times out of 10. I, I don't... Who knows? Can, can Sean Payton revitalize Jameis Winston? I mean, Jameis Winston oh. has enough talent that it's not... <laughs> listen, I, I know he, he it's an easy joke to make, but, I mean, look at look at the teams that he played on. And, yes, I know that Tom Brady just went there and won a Super Bowl, but that was not quite the same team. And, and everyone knew coming out of college... the skill position player. He had... It wasn't even. It wasn't even the same skill position players. It was yes, some it of was. the same skill position players. They added the Leonard Fournette. Two. They added. They added Gronk. I they forgot added Leonard AJ. Fournette was so they, important. They, for they added Antonio Brown, and Leonard Fournette was huge for them. Um, they made huge improvements to the With offensive line. With all those line. drop passes, you're right. They made they made huge improvements to the offensive <laughs> line, and let's face it, Tom Brady is a lot more advanced at running a complex system than Bruce Arians wants to run. Regardless, I and mean, we don't need a we don't need a deep dive, dive all the shortcomings. I'm just saying, Jameis Winston does have talent. He threw. Yeah, but he also doesn't have Michael Thomas now. He he threw. 33 touchdowns in his last season as a starter. He also threw 30 interceptions in the most incredibly exciting season in NFL history by a quarterback. And I'm not even memeing. To, to go 30-30 is just, it is an achievement deserving of awe. Not necessarily even the good even the good kind of awe, just awe. I mean, it's incredible. Not many, not many guys get to hang around to even throw 30 interceptions in a season. But to throw 33 touchdowns on top of it, I mean, he moved the ball. He he was moving the ball for both teams. It was just art to watch. But yeah, he had almost five thousand yards, didn't he? All I'm, I, it was definitely mid four thousand plus with thirty three touchdowns. Which if you take out the interceptions, which I know you can't just do that, but if you take out the it, interceptions, it sounds like you're doing a, it. A really good season. What I'm, my whole point of this is. He does have talent to work with. He's not Nathan Peterman and apologizes to Nathan Peterman for catching strays for no reason, but he's not Nathan <laughs> Peterman. Not for no reason. He shouldn't be in that NFL. <laughs> but Sean Payton, if he revitalized him, if he honed him in a little bit to be an average or even above average oh, starting wow. NFL quarterback, it would not be this huge yeah. shock. Not to it me would. anyway. I don't. I, I don't think it would. I, I, no, I'm not projecting it. I want to be very clear. I'm just saying I cannot write them off, not to mention maybe he isn't the quarterback. Maybe Taysom Hill is. We have not seen an offense built around Taysom Hill where Taysom Hill actually has the reins. It wasn't that bad of an offense last season. Uh, you you when, weren't alive when, when the Broncos were, were running with Tebow? When they were making it up as they went. So I, listen, I'm not saying that either one's going to be great, and I'm not saying that the the Saints aren't going to end up having to rebuild post Breeze. It's just way too early to write them off. They have too much talent on the roster, and not I just talent get on why the roster. You keep saying that when Michael Thomas isn't going to play most uh, of the season. Jameis did get five thousand though. He had fifty one hundred nine yards. First of all, I think Michael Thomas is a little overrated. 
Uh, I agree you, with you. You already still. know how I feel about skill position players regardless. Um, and if I was going to take a skill position player that I think can help uh, an offense and a young quarterback a lot, or I shouldn't even say young quarterback, just a not super good quarterback a lot, I would rather have a yeah, running Taysom back than young. a receiver. And I think Kamara's very good. But they have a really good roster. I, I don't really care about Michael Thomas outside of fantasy purposes. And they have two intriguing quarterback options that it's not out intriguing. of the realm of possibility. That's a generous word. It is not out of Paul the realm said of possibility. Paul said if you have two quarterbacks, then you definitely have two. <laughs> it is not out of the realm of possibility that Sean Payton could do something surprising with them. It's just I don't want to write them off yet. I, I'm uh, not I, comfortable I just writing them off. I, I See, I disagree too. That. I would write them off because yeah, of the that, quarterback situation. Right. I, Michael Thomas being there obviously doesn't help, and I love Alvin Kamara to – to death but man like if you're selling me like hey Jameis winston might not be Jameis winston it, like that's the pitch <laughs> that i don't know that's not and i, I don't look, know I, that's a guaranteed win but for for them to like contend contend i don't i don't see that I, you know what i, I, I tier you know three, what i think, I think. Is weird. what i think is kind of weird is that like the saints only made what in Sean Payton's entire run, which now has been 15 years with Drew Brees, they made four NFC title games and only one of them in the last decade. But now all of a sudden when they either have to run with Mitt Romney's son or eat a bunch of lobster, (laughs) that somehow they're going to be okay. And so, I don't first of all, it, it is a, the, the only reason they did not run the NFC was because of an actual conspiracy against them, which you should agree <laughs> with. It literally took a conspiracy to bring them down and assure that they wouldn't have a defense to pair with their offense for a decade. Wait, what, you be, mean like bringing them to their knees, so to speak? Yeah, exactly Maybe that. Like, I see what I see what you're doing there, and yes, that's exactly what the NFL did. That's it, why it, Mitt Romney's son is going to be quarterback. So the, I, I don't want to hear, oh, oh, they didn't <laughs> succeed enough with Drew Brees. They were literally sabotaged and in, in put in a yeah, corner by, Drew by Drew Roger Brees Goodell. Playing like shit in the playoffs. Oh my goodness! And, Dude, and furthermore, you lost to a this this Saints team did kick the shit out of the Super Bowl champs twice last year in, in embarrassing fashion. Like, those games were not even competitive. They looked like the vastly superior roster. It just proves that the regular season right. is a joke. It, it doesn't what prove kind that. Of point it just proves that, that they're Super Bowl champions. I think that's what it, we heard. It shows two things. It shows, one, that the Saints have a very good roster. It shows, two, that Tampa was very fortunate to win the way they won last year. I, it's not I, that they're not it a is, great it team. It is very weird that you were so oh, high on them last year, and now all of a sudden, even though it's the exact same team, well, you're like, I was they high were lucky. I was high on them out of hope and love and wanting them to win. Love. That, that was the team what I was rooting fuck? for last year. He's got to put all the Tebow energy into Taysom Hill. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I would, honestly, I would rather see Jameis Winston succeed. Oh, I think wow. I think it would be a fantastic redemption story. Eh, he yeah, the, the, un, the undeserving so. 2013 NCAA football champion. You're goddamn oh right. God. Oh my god. We are moving on from the NFC Where's Telvin Benjamin now? Tell me. You know we so while we are, we know the NFC North the is way, definitely not going to be. By the way, by the way, time be, out. I, I want to make a correction here. By the way, you were like, oh, the Saints—they beat their asses in the regular season. Well, 
who won the playoff matchup? Who is who is quarterback at the playoff? Who's who's quarterback? Did Drew Brees not play in the playoffs? I thought he did. I didn't notice. Did you notice? Fair enough. All right. You got me. Yep, yep, yep. Respect. Respect. I was about to pull up the pro football reference. Like, who's who's the quarterback? (laughs) Uh, You know what? Paul out-memed us. That was nice. That was nice. Moving on to the NFC North, which none of us us think is going to be very good this season. Oh, it's going to be hot. I I, I do a little bit disagree on the Vikings. I think they might have a bounce-back year, although the NFC North having to go through the slog that is the NFC West is great for our draft pick. Um, but not good for win totals across the board. I do think yeah, buddy. It, as weird as it's going to be, and as much as I think he honestly almost doesn't even care, <laughs> Green Bay is one of those contender, real contenders in the NFC no, and a team God, that no. I would not no. be surprised if beat Tampa. Listen, I hate no, to say no. You think I want no to say way. this as much as you I do. despise we the pack of Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I hate this team so much. Yeah, did you hear what your favorite quarterback, Brett Favre, just said about that? Oh, my God. Make it stop. Honestly, though, I agree. So, uh, I guess a little bit of of preface here. Like, I've been on the Packers to the Super Bowl for probably like three or four years. Like, I've looked at the team and I'm like, this is is the year, guys. I don't like them, but this is them. And obviously it doesn't happen. They always kind of get kind of close, and then it, and then it just doesn't happen. But I agree. I mean, obviously the division's down. I think they're going to win the division running away. Uh, and then it's just how do they compete with those other top teams? This and is even life. and even in the the Tampa example that we kind of put you know on top of this, like at the top of this podcast, if can they get lucky once and beat Tampa? I think so. Uh, but no, eh, maybe not. <laughs> no. Look, okay. We'll see. They the haven't been able to in the last couple here's years that I picked them. Here's the inconvenient truth, though, for both of you in regards to that. Number one is that the Packers straight up just did not improve. They got worse. They lost a marquee player of theirs to Detroit. Like Jamal Williams was important enough for that team. He is not there. Uh, they got Randall Cobb. Oh my! Okay, <laughs> it's All so right. it's so great. Oh. Aaron Rodgers comes back, and Adam Sandler just wants to play with his buddies, and, <laughs> and, and they're gonna put out <laughs> an intriguing product that's not that's gonna hilarious. win any awards. That's Hold on, that's super um, funny. <laughs> but no, but okay. Seriously though, like I every oh, you both are arguing. Oh well, if they get lucky, I don't understand how you can get more lucky than Tom Brady throwing three. So I don't I don't think they have to get lucky, and here's why. So from I mean, Aaron Rodgers having a mental meltdown and not running the ball in. That's but a, also, that game is not going to be played in Green Bay again. You can bet your ass on that. So well, uh, see that because, I don't know because Green Bay has a super easy like maybe it's, maybe it's not an easy regular season schedule, but you got a lot of wins in the NFC North. I don't do. know the rest of their schedule. But, uh, they probably play the, obviously as, the but, first place teams from the other divisions. Well, but the like, NFC West, of course. They but also the, are but playing the NFC North, West. They, 
and the, and the NFC South isn't doing that, which is going to. Be, I mean, I'm not but saying Green Bay's still saying better than a lot of those teams. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay's at 12, 13 wins this year. No, no, I I can't go. I can't. No, they they always get there. <laughs> they got extra games this year. But as you have said, also they're like the Indiana Pacers of the early 2010s. Like Paul George is not going to make the shot. Aaron Rodgers is not going to run the ball. Yeah, topical considering what we talked about. But seriously, I just don't understand how much more disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers. Team. Like so I just don't. This is I this don't is, First of all, it. I don't want to call it faith because faith is blind. That's the point of faith. Uh, I, I use my eyeballs when I make my football prognosis. Damn! Shout out to AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Oh it's my god. Here. Um, so obviously they have Aaron Rodgers, and regardless of if you think he's overrated, underrated, just rightly rated, he is obviously a very good NFL player. He is rated, that's for sure. What what yeah. matters to me is they have, as they've always had his entire career, a really good <laughs> offensive line. We everyone harped on KC's offensive line getting decimated last year, and that's why they lost the Super Bowl. But nice. nobody really cared that Green Bay's offensive line also got banged up, which I didn't care either. I reveled in it, but it does matter for the purposes of projecting them this season. And if you assume that they stay relatively healthy, that's going to matter. What I really like about them is, first of all, Ryan said Jamal Williams, big loss, big part of their offense. Dylan said that. Stop doing that. Because I I don't believe that. Sorry, Dylan. But Dylan said that. Jesus. Dylan, Dylan, Ryan, whatever. Somebody, part of the old gruesome twosome said, okay? Someone that knows how to turn on the computer said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, yes, while he was a big part of this, their offense, I almost think it came at a slight detriment. And not, not even anything against him. Jamal Williams is a great second back. I just thought they needed to give Aaron Jones the ball more. I was always frustrated, and it it mostly wasn't because he's been on my fantasy team for like the last. Oh, because he reminded you of Amon Green, your favorite running back ever. He is just a very, very good running back, and the more the ball in his is in his hands, the more special things can happen. The the more special things happen in my fantasy team. It's it's a real Ryan Grant mold. I always respected. So I don't. And and. Listen, I really like AJ Dillon. I love him as a as a as the number two there. I th- I think that's fantastic, and I think I he's a much better change of pace back. Because no, why? He's a bruiser. That he's not. No, no. He's more like uh, okay, comp wise to like how he plays. He's more like Zach Moss. He's like a. Yeah, do you not. Guys why are you disgracing oh, this that, man's that, name that's Paul's like this? Enemy, Zach Moss. Why would you <laughs> do that? But no, for real. That it, like that is the comp. He's not change of pace because he would much rather lay the thunder, so to speak. He's more like he can lay Jay the thunder Cochran. as a change of pace. You don't have to be a speedster to be a change of pace. I guess yeah, but the connotation with change of pace is usually someone like a like a Javid Best if he didn't die. The Javid Best was a feature back. Your comps are getting terrible now. All right, we're moving on. They have a really nice backfield. They have a really nice offensive line. They have Devontae Adams, who, of course, one of the best receivers in the NFL. I don't even care about the rest of their receiving unit. I, listen, I'm not semantics. That's not semantics. Semantics is word choice. Their semantics is, yeah. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> Everything is made up of words, dickhead. No, it is. A- <laughs> Shout out Suicide Squad. All right, move on. I chose to specifically not call him the best because I don't want to have an argument right now. And I don't think he's the best right now. It doesn't matter. They have, an, they have a role. With I'm, so, I'm so mad. I'm he's, never he, it off he's rated, okay? They have an absolutely loaded, one of the most talented offenses in the entire NFL. They have a quarterback who just won MVP last season. And, and, do, and, and doesn't like the team. Uh, can't or so that's, But... The only thing he doesn't like more than the team is losing and being doubted in anyone thinking that. he's not the best. I, I very much disagree uh, with so that. So, like, the the one thing I was, like, it's kind of a joke, like, oh, Rodgers doesn't like the team, so, like, they're not going to win. But if the media keeps prodding Rodgers, like, today they had a press conference, maybe today or tomorrow, where, so... Uh, one of his, uh, Jake Kumaro, I think that's the guy's first name. His name is definitely yeah. Kumaro, a receiver. Aaron Rodgers praised him. The next day, the Packers cut him, and he signed with the Bills. So the pa- so either <laughs> yesterday or today, Rodgers was praising some tight end, and then this media member, unprompted, was like, yeah, I can't wait to see him on the Bills this year. And then Rodgers <laughs> just starts laughing in the press conference. Which oh I God. think is like it is a bad sign. I, he it? obviously doesn't want to lose the. I don't know the media member, but the Typhon's name is Kuf, Kufiasu, Kufasu, or something. Oh, I gotta um, find the, find this. But Rogers though. said, That's "Yeah, Rogers was giving him praise," and then the reporter was like, "Oh, well, we're gonna see him on the Bills this year." And then Rogers just started laughing. So I do think that at some point, that kind of like malcontent that he is. It might rear its ugly head, especially if Green Bay is not off to like a great start. Like if Green Bay starts off even five and three, which is like a good start, but it's not like a seven and one or something that we've kind of seen Green Bay do before. And you you start approaching the trade deadline because it'll probably be around that time, right? Like week eight. I I don't know, man. Like I think I think Rodgers later than week eight. I think Rodgers could get in his own way. I mean, you'll be appro- you'll be approaching it though. There's only 17 I, weeks. I, I, it's not way, like week 14. I, I, I think Rodgers can get in his own way, and I think him and the Packers can kind of F over each other. Trying, the, trying to I show each other who it. has the biggest penis. I didn't want to interrupt your role. What were you talking about with our tight end? So, oh, no. No, right here. Uh, I got Jake, it. Ryan, I got yeah. it. Okay, go ahead. This is the audio of the exchange. So what basically what Ryan was saying was Kumarau, who was the re- receiver, and Rodgers praised him, then – what seemingly was out of spite, the Packers trade him to the Bills. So then today, out of Aaron spite, Rod- I don't think they Aaron- trade. I think they just cut him. <laughs> they no, they cut him. You. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so anyways, this is what the tweet Language. says, and then I'm gonna play the audio. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was angry when the Packers cut Jake Kumrow, uh after he publicly praised him. Rodgers recently praised tight end Bronson Kaufusi, sure, and Rob Demovsky. Had some jokes. Here is the exchange. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, and Aaron but you can but you can see Rodgers like laugh yeah. because oh, yeah. he like he gets oh, yeah. the joke. He's like, yeah, the yeah. Packers are fucking stupid, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. I think it like I think it just might become untenable 
throughout the season. And I know they've had that agreement that I think Schefter reported on where hey, they've, they have have an agreement in place where after the season, like Rodgers, Rodgers is gone. They're trading him. He, he gets to be a free agent, whatever it is. Like they've kind of set it up in place for him to leave Green Bay. I don't know that it makes it the whole season. Like that's obviously the the goal if you're the Packers. Um, I don't know, man. Like it, that's a long time to work with somebody that you don't like when you know you don't like them, and especially if you're Aaron Rodgers, where in your like mind you have all the leverage because no matter what you're gonna have a job. Somebody's going to pay you like the same amount of money to do the same thing for them, and you can just kind of spite the Packers the whole way. So uh, there's things spiral, but things spiral in both directions. This team is going to be way too good for it to spiral downward. If they were bad, if things started going off the tracks, I agree with you 100. It would be it would be peak hilarity, and I would love it. The problem is, as we've touched on. Their offense is sick, and their defense is actually getting super solid. It's going to be one of the better defenses, honestly, Rodgers has played with. And with everything Dude, just else just got to get rid of Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, one of their best players on defense. <laughs> yes, that would be just a stroke of yeah, genius. BJ Raji, I mean, two part, according to Rodgers, par for the course for Packers management would be trading him. But, I no, this team is going to be way too good to have the malcontent rear its head um he's he might crack his jokes and he might make sly remarks and be and basically be like listen i'm i'm running the ship this season until you trade me next year but at the end of the day they are going to do what is necessary to win and that's why that's why we're here at this point he wants to win and the packers want to win and he didn't really want to win with the packers but he didn't have a lot of options for that so the packers kind of half-assed put their balls on the table and they said listen we got one year at this we'll trade you next year but we have a super bowl caliber roster let's go try to win one ha- have and we I ever don't... oh go ahead i'll no, ask after i would say have we ever seen that work in the nfl I don't think we've uh, yeah. seen this situation like ever. I you could you can draw like small parallels to discontented players going back and other, but this exact like uh, this situation is he's the reigning MVP. It is legitimately a Super Bowl ready roster. It is a team that has been good for thirty years. Like they didn't have bad uh, years really because they they went from Favre. To to Rogers, they've been good for like a, a super trash long thirty years little stretch, but they've been good for a super long time, and, and their management is now not trustworthy, and like it's just such a weird disconnect. It, it's not like I I don't think you can compare this to anything else to say that it has or hasn't but worked. Like I get speaking I, of, I do want to shout out all my Denver betters. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen, when, when you speculatory bet, Dumbass. this is what you get. This is what yeah. you get. I have no sympathy. No, I don't. You're, you're, you're trying to steal odds. And it, to me, it's a dumb thing to steal odds on because it's not like you can sell them back Like if they get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, right. what are you going to do? Start betting against them? Like, it's. It, so, I, I don't. They deserve what they got. The only real equivalent you can even in theory make is in an entirely different sport with a franchise and players that accomplished more and arguably probably would have more after the fact as well. Like this very much. I, okay, I have a comparison. You're not going to agree with it, Paul, and I know you're not, but it's fine. 
I've always felt this way about the Lions situation with Andrew Stafford. At some point, certain relationships just kind of need to go the way that they need to. A lot of individuals are afraid of that, whether that is just in life or that is in sports, business, entertainment, whatever. Claire, don't listen to this podcast. An exception to the rule for a reason. But regardless, you basically what I'm really trying to say is that people uh, a lot of times do not really critically analyze their relationships. And when they do, a lot of animosity can come of it. They don't work together. And right now, it really, uh, it really does feel like two people who just kind of steal a Colin Cowherd type deal right now. It's like two 45-year-olds who were ma- got married when they were 20. <laughs> And they've realized that over half their life is gone, potentially, and they've wasted it on someone they no longer love. And so what they're trying to do, rather than make it amicable for Claire, parties, seriously, do not to, listen to this, this podcast. This is not applying to my personal life whatsoever. And one is named Dylan. And- yeah, it's <laughs> okay. No, I know. My relationship with my better half has years. nothing to do. Regardless, uh, back to my point because it is an apt comparison. Both of these two maybe, are but just... the Packer, but the Packers would kill themselves if they were the Lions. What, what I am trying to say is that Stafford, my criticism of Stafford was that, and this is something that you could argue kind of against my point too, because like Aaron Rodgers isn't necessarily doing this the best way either, but. I always argued that Matthew Stafford needed to realize sooner than he did that he needed to leave the franchise. I respect that he wanted to stick it out and try things and be kind of a team player. But I, what I wanted out of him was for him to force his way out and say, I don't want to be here anymore. I got you. I'm better than this. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers is doing that. But the problem is, is that while the Lions granted Stafford his wish, the Packers are just trying to make him suffer instead of doing what's best for both parties. Uh, that's that's I, not I, what's yeah, happening. I, yeah, I, like I hear what you're saying. I do think that that's kind of where the comparison falls apart is the fact that like with the Lions and Stafford, it even seemed like it was all rosy kind of up until he requested a trade. Like I don't think the Lions are uh, as forward thinking of an organization to be like Stafford might not be happy. I think they're more like Stafford didn't say shit. Like it, like it's all good. And then Stafford says, "Hey, trade me." But I mean, even even then, like that would go to my point. And I'm not saying you were disagreeing with me. Is like obviously, obviously it didn't work, right? Like if it's if it's Stafford and the Lions, obviously it's not what the Packers want. All I'm I will clean is up. That the I will Lions... clean up your point for you, and then I'll throw it in the garbage. Okay? How about oh, that? Okay. No, so fuck off. I I get no. <laughs> I get what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, listen, there comes a point in time where a lot of people are better off not together anymore. And this is the point in time, yet for whatever reason, they're stuck together for this season and it's not good for either party. I get that. Here is because they have a house and a barn and the whole thing. Oh (laughs) my God. The extrapolations can stop here. Anyway, the reason the reason I think that doesn't matter for the performance that we're talking about right now is because the relationship that you were describing, Darren or Jesus, Dylan. Oh my God, I need a breather tonight. He's called Darren. We will get one break. 
We will get one soon. Oh, after my God. This point. <clears throat> the relationship so that you were describing, Dylan, specifically exists between Rogers and the front office of Green Bay. The reason I think that does not matter at all this season is because that locker room is actually very close, and Rogers loves the players. He loves all the players on the team are super tight with Rodgers, and Rodgers wants to go out and play for them. And he's cool with his coaches, too. He doesn't have any animosity with his coaches. It's specifically management. In season, in season, when the games are going on, management is borderline irrelevant. They're pretty much out of the picture. It is all That's why we get all the drama in the offseason, because that's when management comes to the forefront. you got the draft, you got free agency, you got trades, you got, you're trying to work out your extensions, and you're trying to save your franchise by getting your MVP quarterback that wants to leave to run it back another year. Once the season starts, the front office fades completely into the background, and not just for the media and for us as fans, even for Rodgers and that team. Now they're just game planning week to week and practicing with their boys trying to win games. And that locker room has no fractured components. That locker room is completely together. Okay. Now, here's a not name Randall Cobb. <laughs> so. Now, okay, to clean up what I was trying to say with the Stafford comparison, though, is that, like, basically what I am trying to argue here is that, is specifically when it comes to football teams, there comes a lot, often there comes times where star quarterbacks need to admit that the franchise that they're with is not the one that they can stay after the success of their careers. Stafford, as I had stated already, but I will say again, I think he should have decided that probably after 2014 personally, but you can push that by a year or two. I don't really care. He should have done it before this past season. And then at that point, what I why I'm bringing up the Lions is that the Lions did not decide then, oh, you want to leave? Well, we'll make it ugly for you to do so. They just granted that request, and they're better off for it. The Packers, on the other hand, are cutting off their nose to spite their face simply to stick it to the quarterback that got them a Super Bowl. My point is that Aaron Rodgers realized the same thing Stafford did, after an MVP season said, look, this isn't going to work anymore. But rather than gifting the request in order to help out their future, they are deciding to be spiteful and it is going to hurt them because, Paul, I would also argue this point. If you are going to say that front offices are not in the purview of any players' locker rooms, whatever, during the season, I would argue that the Green Bay front office is trying as hard as possible to make that not happen this season. Uh Because all of their actions are making them relevant during the regular season, even though they shouldn't be, as you said. I I don't agree with that. uh, Do you think that Green Green Bay not trading Rodgers, or Green Bay trading Rodgers, is better for their future than a potential Super Bowl this year would be? Because I don't. I do think Green Bay is Super Bowl contenders, and I think if they keep Rodgers, obviously that's why they're Super Bowl contenders. Um, no, I think I, I, I think that disagree. would be better for them and their franchise than netting these future draft picks that then you're starting to rebuild. No, it's I not mean, even a Super Bowl always trumps all well, future right, but also potential. I, but that's the thing. Is that I know, I, but to me, it's I, real this year. But no, but okay. There's a few reasons why I would disagree with that premise. First off, I did not explicitly say draft picks. It's everything. It's about players wanting to sign in the middle of literally nowhere. And now you have this public battle that, let's be real, it's not just the quarterback, though. Because Devontae Adams has an issue with the 
as well, and he's going to leave also. That's going to affect how they're going to be able to sign players in the same way that Detroit's issues have always been. This is it's a franchise not going to affect it if they win a Super Bowl. But I also don't, and this is where we just won't agree with, and that's fine. I do reject the whole Super Bowl thing because I would argue that Los Angeles is going to frog them in potential to win. And even though I don't believe in San Francisco as much as you do, Paul, I believe in them much more than I do Green Bay because Green Bay did not tangibly improve and now have this distraction that shouldn't exist. And if you're winning for spite rather than winning for the success of the organization, that's not a winning formula because but the minute I, I something goes wrong, they're, for they're going to collapse. I don't think winning happens for an organization like ever. Like those teams are winning for the the players in that locker room because of their collective talent and their coaches in the city. Like they don't, they're not like, oh man, I really care about my front office. And I my know. Owners. No, yeah, they're in, not in like general, they're not like no, the Denmark but, Olympic track team. But in gen, look, uh, in general, I agree with you. But with the actions that all parties have done, I appreciate since that last off season. You're welcome. <laughs> but with every <laughs> single thing that's happened in the off season from both parties. They are making it as likely as possible. It could very well not be, but the fact that that potential exists is in and of itself a very dire problem. Because if things become even slightly bad, you are going to have it become a distraction. It, it, it will. I, 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 think, will I think the only way this goes south is if like Rodgers gets hurt. And, and then it's just open season. But at that point, your season's done anyways because Rodgers is hurt. And, and part of the but thing, that could be the it, case it, with it, Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams too. The front office already took the biggest possible step to preventing all of the issues that you're so worried about. They straight up said, dude, this is for one year. If you still went out next year, you're gone. We'll trade you. It's not a big deal. Why they would want, they not everyone, have done that already after all this nasty? Because everyone – this is a chance to win – a real chance to win a Super Bowl. You don't it's get many of these. Not. If they if they traded him this offseason, they are five years of praying to maybe, if they're super lucky, be in this same position. This is where we are going to pause so that I can take care of some stuff. Um so this will be bathroom break, whatever. But when we come back, insert sponsor if we had one, I actually have another team that I would also argue is in Green Bay's way. And it's one that features Aaron Rodgers' worst enemy. So, as I was alluding to, as we come back from break, thank you, Matt, for that, uh, I have a relative hot take, which, okay, Ryan, you know how you you keep saying, oh, Green Bay, you're like, oh, this is here, oh, this is here, right? Um, I am eternally that way about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, oh, I, man, me too. Jesus you should have heard me last year. Yeah, no, I know. We agreed to remember <laughs> that. Yeah, we were both like, yeah, here we go, and then. Dak died, and Jesus Christ, that thing fell off the rails. But, like, I legitimately think that Dak has, a, has like, a dark horse chance to win MVP. I think he's going to have a Stafford-esque season of, like, over 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, all that stuff. Uh, their defense is okay, but they're in a bad division. Offense is going to be off the chain as long as Dak's healthy. 
And therefore, what I am alluding to is that I don't necessarily think that Green Bay could get past Dallas, let alone San Fran or Los Angeles or Tampa Bay. I, I don't know about that last part, but I, I do think Dak's going to have a big year if he's healthy. Uh, if not, like regardless of what you think about him as a quarterback, whenever he's been on the field, Garbage. like he's like his stats, he's always putting them up. I think he was the only, what is he, the only, only because I heard this uh, a trivia question. I think he was the only quarterback ever to throw for 450 yards in like three games in a year. And he did that last year when he only played in like five of the games or something. Like his, like he, he puts up the numbers. So he definitely puts up the numbers to, to win an MVP or be a dark horse or anything like that. Um, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to win enough for Dak to warrant that consideration because usually you have to be probably like a top two seed in your conference, and I, I don't see that in the in the books for Dallas. But I I like him in this division. I think the uh, the Washington football team's defense can cause some problems, but they got Dak or they got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. <laughs> Um, so I don't know, you know, uh, kind of how he's far they're so going to take it. He's so old, too. Yeah, he's, he's bad. Um, and, I mean. If, Not bad. Don't know, say and bad. He's, he's bad. And everybody loves Fitzmagic, but he's he's pretty bad. Um, and the rest of the division is just, you know, garbage, too. You got Philly. You obviously got the Giants. So I do think that Dallas can take advantage of the division this year. I don't know that I'd necessarily – um, you know, write them as a contender, but Dak should have the numbers. Their offense, you know, should be pretty good. You know, Zeke's kind of Zeke's kind of gone downhill since his rookie year, um, but if he can have a bounce back year, obviously you still have Amari Cooper. You still have, uh, you know, C.D. Lamb. Um, you know, hopefully he can come to his own, especially with the with the full season um, of Dak, and that's that's going to be a team that gets a, a lot of press. Um, it's going to be probably one of the more, you know, interesting teams in the NFC this year, especially if they do start to get hot. Um, I think it's a team, obviously, just because they're the Cowboys, but because they have Dak, who he could be even like one of the quote unquote faces of the NFL. Like he was in a bunch of commercials and shit before he got hurt. So I don't think that that is uh, that like, you know, him not being, you know, marketable or something like it is something that's going to hurt him. So I think the Cowboys are going to be a team that you hear m- maybe the most about this year, or at least one of the most, um, just because of who they are, but because of the pieces that they have around them, you know, namely Dak. Dak Prescott sucks. I mean, I I don't know. I I hate the Cowboys. I, like I mean, this team, not not not, not the Cowboys as a franchise. Mean, I hate up. I hate this team. I, I hate everything oh. about this team and what they're going to be. Um, the offensive line is still good. It, it is not what it was a few years back, but it's still good, especially by modern NFL standards, where everybody's line leaks like a sieve. Um, I, they don't have a good coach in my opinion. I don't know if you guys are big Mike fans, but I, I don't care for the coaching staff. Um, the defense has been an atrocity. Um, I think they're going to be better this year. Uh, you can't be worse. So, I mean, I'm not going out of limb here saying that I see market improvement for the defense. Um, I think Micah Parsons was a huge addition for them. 
Um, it's one of my favorite draft picks, actually. They sorely, sorely need him to step in and be a massive contributor immediately. They are another team uh, that could use some health luck, especially on that side of the ball. But they're not going to be... It would be a big surprise if they even got the league average defense. Um, and it, once again, they're probably going to ask Dak to do more than he's capable of. It a team in Dallas where the strength of your team shouldn't really be your passing game. Um, and I understand they have some nice pieces. I really like CeeDee Lamb. I, I think he was um, arguably the best receiver coming out last last year in the draft. And Amari Cooper's still Amari Cooper, but... That's not going to win you football games, having Dak trying to outthrow the points that your defense gives up. And I just, I, I don't like the way the team's built. I don't like Dak making the difference in a big game when it's necessary down the stretch. This team is going to win 11 games. I mean, I, I don't, they're going to get in the playoffs because their division is horrid. I mean, you guys, you guys mentioned it. Um, Philly garbage can team, which is crazy because they're not that far removed from winning the Super Bowl. Is it 2018? No, that can't be right. 17? This it wasn't it wasn't that long ago regardless. Um but th- their roster's been quickly dismantled. Um the the Giants are the Giants. And neither of these teams are any good. Um and then you have Washington football team who really could be all over the map. I actually think the Washington football team has a lot of talent. I, I think that defense is really nice. Um, I think Rivera is a solid coach. Um, kind of ho-hum. Like, I, I don't get really excited about Rivera, but I don't think he's going to lose you a lot of games. Um, although, I, Riverboat Ron has kind of slowed down a little bit the last few years. Um, I'd like to see him. Oh, man. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> what? He's oh, very, my, I didn't beautiful. mean it like that. So, yeah, bro. Oh, he looks awful. What do you want me to say? Listen. You you think it would make him he more like aggressive because he realizes shit, like it can be gone like in an a cancer instant, okay? Patient. Oh my goodness! Oh, I didn't even. Right, you guys on. were you guys were okay. you guys were reacting, and I didn't no, even. I wasn't done. even sure why at first. Jesus. I understand now. It's okay. Oh my god! No, he looks better. He was heavy before. He looks better now. Wow! All right. This this was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Uh, back to actually football. Um, no, Riverboat Ron really has slowed down a bit in the past few years. Not anything to do with the fact that he recovered from cancer. Um, I, I would like to see him, especially with the roster they have this year, get back more on the aggressive side of things. I mean, they don't have anything to lose. Especially in the... D- what? What do you want? I have... These are football terms. There's only so many things I can say to describe. What? It's needs to go to stage four. He's <laughs> not malignant just, anymore, that's for sure. The body of this organization is diseased. He's <laughs> <laughs> so, so spreading so around the Washington facility. <laughs> <laughs> And then he just does something so unnecessary. I mean, this cornerback class looks like they're in chemotherapy. He attacked the cells of one. (laughs) You guys good? (laughs) There's no way to move on. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Charlie Villanueva catching <laughs> strikes for no reason. He had alopecia. <laughs> it's fine. No, we're just going to chug forward like I always do. <laughs> so anyway, Dak was on pace to throw for 6,300 yards if he keeps up. I would like to see the Washington football team play balls to the wall all season. He didn't have testicular cancer, did he? <laughs> oh, no. oh god! I don't know if Matt is gonna die editing this or hate us or both. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Ooh. All right, Washington football team. Nothing to lose. Needs to really uh lay it lay lay it out there. <laughs> All right. Oh god. Dak sucks. The Cowboys suck. The whole NFC East sucks. There are no contenders in the NFC East. That is the moral of all of this. Uh, Basically, the entire division is just a cesspool of cancer. I don't know. Dak might might break the passing record, though. You you always Uh, forget there's a 17th game. So if you took the the five games that he played last year, 371 yards a game, you pace that out over 17 games, it's 6,300 yards. (laughs) And so even even if there's 16 games, it was still okay. 5,900, which still breaks, <laughs> it still breaks you, the passing record. Would you take Dak, though, as a fantasy starter? But yeah, 6,310 yards is his, uh, is his pace through 17 games if he keeps up right. what he did last year. <laughs> I, I honestly, nuts. I hate. If he's going to throw for 6,000 6, yards, yes. Um. No, I mean, oh, I for, oh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. I, I hate Dak, and I would take him as a fantasy starter. I don't he, – he's probably I, – I have not done – which is not good because I have a draft – my real draft in a week and a half. But I have not even looked at a draft board this year, a ranking of I – don't, I don't even – Well, it's fun that you said that because I created an actual algorithm in order to see this. And if I remember correctly, I believe Dak's placement amongst quarterbacks was full. All right, so that's that's pretty high. So like I'm never I'm I shouldn't say never, but I'm I'm rarely going to end up with like the fourth ranked quarterback in any draft. This is not generally how the draft lays out when I'm drafting. Um but if he fell to a spot I was comfortable taking a quarterback, I would be happy with him on my team because he's going to put up numbers even if they suck. And even if he – and he doesn't really throw a lot of interceptions. Um, so the, the here is the ranking as it currently stands. For anybody who is doing auction, this is the average uh, value for them according to ESPN, Yahoo, Sport, uh, Sporting News, uh, what's the other one? FanDuel and Fantasy Pros. So the f- number one by far is Patrick Mahomes, averaging out at about twenty six dollars. The second place is Josh Allen at twenty three point four dollars. Then you have Kyler Murray as number three. That's a bit surprising. At eighteen point oh, he's tied eighteen point four. Lamar eighteen point four. Dak at fifth. Overall quarterback off the board at $16.6. That is very good value. Yeah. No, I know you do a auction draft. Do you have... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I, wow. I'm, wow. The Dak talk, it, it gets me like that. I know I know you do... Yeah, from I, someone I who loves uh, Stafford, he really hates stats. 
It's crazy. <laughs> Absurd. Okay, you're saying. Uh, do you have his ADP? Like, do you know where he's going? Like, 50, 60. Uh, you mean draft yeah. position? <laughs> oh. I, I, I was just only thing he said Dylan's going to use. No, I mean, so. Well, the, to be he's, fair. He's probably the fourth quarterback <laughs> off the board, too. Behind those other guys. I don't see any reason why you would take So, Tyler. last year, uh, before he, like, hurt his shoulder weeks one through uh, 13 or something, Kyler was on pace to have the most fantasy points by a quarterback ever. Because of his rushing shit. Yeah, how'd that go, though? I mean, he was still a highly rated fantasy quarterback. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what I'm saying. I'm not, I, I, but I'm not going to take, but uh, uh, based on how we're talking though, and again, if he's healthy with all those receivers he has and whatever else, like if he's getting even 5,000 passing yards, I am going to take him over okay, basically but, everyone. But, except but, but touchdowns are six points game. still, uh, rushing touchdowns. And that's. Uh, okay. I don't see it. I don't see a lot of situations where the Cowboys are running. To be fair, I think he's going to have enough opportunities. No, I'm. I mean, for Kyler, rushing touchdowns. <laughs> rushing touchdowns are six points, which is why, which is why he was on but pace. He's also, again, because he was off against. He had such a good rushing. But he's upside. in that. But he's in the NFC West. His matchups are going to be way harder. Like to be fair, you could argue that Dak is going to have four, at least, games this year. Four weeks where you are guaranteed he's going to be north of twenty-five. At least, and that's being generous. Depends on how obviously I'm just I'm just saying I, I I have had Patrick Mahomes every single year of his career so far, and Dak is the first quarterback where I'm like, maybe, especially if you are auctioning, or even if you're not, like what fifth or sixth quarterback off the board means. Jesus, probably eighth, ninth round, something like that. Yeah, probably. So. I don't know. I I just for value's sake, especially if you can get him as like a backup for like Josh Allen or something, or maybe even pair Kyler Murray and him together. Woo. So in ESPN uh, drafts, Dax Dax coming off the board at the end of the sixth round. Um, so pick pick fifty nine on average, uh, sixth quarterback off the board behind Patrick Mahomes. That. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers ahead of him. Oh, I'd probably take him ahead of no, Rodgers. I'm but. sorry. Aaron Rodgers, no way. This is not... Aaron Rodgers, no way. Kyler, no way. Kyler Lamar, uh, sorry, Ryan, no way. Okay, sure, take Kyler. Uh, because Lamar has, like, craters. Like I mean, I, I, of that list, I would probably only take Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen over him. The only problem I have with Josh Allen is, as we we will discuss later on, his one-dimensional nature is just... Well, it's great uh, for fantasy. It's not it's great for real football. It, it can be, but also means he's going to get hit a lot more. I, I don't think they're going to stop which, him. I mean, Plus, he still gets body. yards, right, and he's fucking built. <laughs> it's, it's not like... It, that's what, hey, that's what was happening with Big Ben, and then eventually... Well, Big Ben is... I mean, Big, Big Ben was never getting the rushing touchdowns way. that Josh Allen was. But he that's, wasn't getting rushing that's touchdowns, but he used to scramble a lot. Like, he can't discount that. Big Ben's that. also, like, 
Big Ben is not the athlete but that I'm Josh not, Allen is ever. Like rushing touchdowns and like, rushing yards, like in fan, that makes all the difference for a quarterback. I'm not going to be picking my quarterback though, based off of I'm, rushing I'm, yards. I'm not. I'm not going to be fair. Top I, quarterback anyway. This, this is not going to happen. Well, here's the here's the problem. Also, is that like I'm going for at it from a different angle than y'all are. Like because I directly impact the value of whoever it is I target, and like. Dak at sixteen dollars is absurd. I mean, I, 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 I like, see guys. I see guys like Baker Mayfield going borderline undrafted QB fifteen. Like, I look at that and I'm like, give me, give me that. I don't, I don't need the premium on Dak. I would, considering what Ryan was saying though, like he was averaging what was it again? Yeah, three seventy one pass. That's so. Many fantasy points you are baking in. Well, let's to listen. He's not going to average a value, yards no a game this year. I don't care. Well, no. Even if, even if he's at three forty, it's crazy. Or like, even if it's three hundred, like that's not including any rushing yards. That's not including passing touchdowns, which he will have a lot of. If again, if he's a five thousand and forty TD, five thousand yards, forty TDs. And you're getting him late sixth round, early seventh round, or sixteen dollars worth on on the bid. I just I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, I think I think that's I a good really pick, don't. good uh, good bid, whatever you want to do. Um, as long as he's as long as he's going off the board, then right. Like if he's not the as long as he's not the first player off the board, you wouldn't reach. But, that's for sure. No, I think. Uh, yeah, like you wouldn't top out at like I, what, like after once he, it gets to he, like twenty. He seems he seems like he's a good value right now, and I can see some drafts where people are probably taking like Russell Wilson ahead of him. I know that's not the average of what you guys said, but I can I can definitely see right that like is a draft definitely where possible. Somebody's grabbing Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers ahead of him, and I don't know that I would. Do Russ that. goes right after that. I think there's yeah, even Russ- some. Especially local, I can see some people going. Russ, after oh, Russ sure. goes right for after sure Dak. Yeah. Just, just, just so you're aware, like that's he's right there. Honestly, I, I mean, this really sufficiently wraps up the current state of the NFC East. The most interesting part of the NFC East is Dak Prescott's fantasy value. It's really interesting. It is. Him, him and not, Zeke, I'm not, baby. I'm are, not even disagreeing. Are people that are taking Zeke at five? Are they going to regret it? Or, or are they, fi- or are I, they finally gonna? Are they finally gonna get that that get that payoff? Oh man, like especially considering what the average value of what you're seeing, either where he's being picked or how much he's being auctioned for. Like Nick Chubb is a substantial. I mean, you, you guys, you guys already heard me say. I, th- I think it's gonna be a good year for Zeke. The only thing that scares me is McCarthy. I mean, I don't. We'll see. And also the fact that, to be entirely honest, Zeke's kind of really inconsistent now. Like, he has not put together a consistent season probably since 2016. That's not true. He's, up until literally last season, he was, like, the most consistent player in fantasy. Stop it. Like, he was no, he was not ever going to be the top, top player, but he was never going to not be an RB1. And he wasn't going to hurt you. Well... He's he's been he's been good year in and year out. It's just I'm looking it up. I'm I see I am willing he's to been say when I'm wrong, but I just want to look just to be safe. 
Uh, let's see here. Game splits. Rushing and receiving. Here we go. He played 2017 was his drop-off year. That was where he only played 10 games. So I was incorrect. Uh, 16 and 18 were his big years where he had over 300 carries. Uh, and also over uh, 1,400 yards. So in 17, he did pretty poor. Last year was pretty poor as well. Uh, 19, he had more well, seven, rushing 17, touchdowns. He, got hurt. he was yeah, having no, a very good year before he got hurt. Like, a fine year. In 16, 18, 19, all very good years. It was just last year. Last year was but the, the whole team... The whole team was bad, and they had plenty of injuries, both on the offensive line and a quarterback. Was it as bad as this per carry average against Michigan State? Bitch ass. Oh, my goodness. And last (laughs) year, even... I will say his rushing rushing yards per game has gone down every year. Hold on. But gone down from... First of all, that's not true. That's not true. It went down from his rookie year, (laughs) then back up. No, it went up from 17 to 18. It went up a lot, substantially. No, it didn't. I'm I am looking, looking right at, at it. it. His yards no. per. I'm looking on Pro Football Reference. It's 108 yards per game rushing oh, in hold 16. Hold on. 98. Why are you saying 17, per game? 95 and 18. That's what he said. I thought you were talking per. Ca- I thought Plus. you were talking per carry. No, he said per game. Oh, it's my no, bad. Per game. My bad. No, per game, his rushing yards has gone down every year. And it's gone from 108 to 98 to 95 to 84 to 65. Well, again, last year being a misnomer, and in his worst year, oh no, only eight points of rushing a game, plus his receiving, plus his scores. How terrible. For what it's worth, 80 yards a game is good. That's not a bad thing. We're not complaining about that. God damn. 18, he had 77 receptions. I He's Woo! been... He's been good. Like he 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 was as advertised coming out of college. He's been exactly so what are, you thought. Are you going to spend that uh, that top five capital on him? Depends who's there. No. Depends who's there. Oh. I don't. I don't. Hold up. Okay. It, it, fine. I, Let's I, do I this. said no. again. I have not looked. I haven't looked this year. Like I, I'm reading it to you right now. This is this is just rankings. I'm not even going to waste time with the auction part. You just tell me. Yes, no. Is Ezekiel someone that you're going to take ahead of this person? Right? Sure. Christian no. McCaffrey? No. No. Dalvin? No. No. Henry? Maybe. Amara? No. Mm. Barkley? Yes. Yeah, then probably Ellie. Barkley. So out of the top six, you would put him right around where he's already been. Projected at number six. Now here are people below him. Let's see about them. Jonathan Taylor. Nope. Yeah, his value is bombing. Well, he doesn't have a quarterback, and and his or his best blocker is dead yeah, as well. Uh, Aaron Jones. No. Uh, no. Although it's close to me on them. Uh, Nick Chubb. Nah. No. no. Kamara scares me. Not like. So they both can coexist and yeah, do great, too. but it's like they didn't pay Kamara not to use him. And now Cleveland should run the ball a thousand times a game, but you said Kamara. No, oh, he meant Chubb. Chubb. I mean Kamara oh, scares me too, only no. because he, he No, got, God dick. No, I he got way less I certainty mean, um, at quarterback. Kareem. 
Kareem, Kareem Hunt. not Kamara. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Kareem Hunt. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Austin no. Eckler. I think we could probably know the rest of it. Right. It'd say one more, but yeah. then we could probably know okay. the rest of these names. I mean, he's and right around one. five, right around the fifth ranked running back to me. And Joe Mixon, oh, yeah, which obviously. To me, he's right around that fifth rank to me. Like it's you can make an I, argument like as high as you to me you can make an argument as high as three and an argument as low as eight. I I would change. Well, it's person. That's why it's an argument. Fair enough. So all if right. you got some value Ryan, in your auction uh, draft, then. Lead us out. Uh, all right. In summation, the <laughs> NFC East sucks. The NFC itself is wide wide open. The NFC West is super lit and. Maybe somebody can dethrone Tampa. Dylan doesn't think so. I think there's a lot of contenders. My we you, what we didn't talk about and we should wrap up with real quick is I guess. who who's your favorite? Uh, obviously, we know <laughs> yours, but who who do you think is the favorite in the NFC? Not necessarily. Okay, so I am again saying Tampa, and I am straight up saying minus four. I nothing we've talked about has convinced me otherwise, other than. If the Los Angeles Rams are able to get above and beyond line play, which I just don't foresee happening, uh, but I do think it's going to be a Rams-Bucks final, uh, NFC final, but it's Tampa Bay repeat. And again, my number for setting that is at minus one. I, I think the Packers should be the favorite in the NFC. And I, they might be. I honestly don't know. Um, but I... I I, I think the Packers right now should be the favorite in the NFC. We couldn't take a look. I, what about you, Matt, Ryan, Jesus? I think uh, – Oh, my God. It's been a rough night. It has been a rough – It's been a rough day. Rough day at the office. Uh, no, I, I think it it's should be the Bucks. Week. I mean, they won the title. They brought everybody back. And I'm a, for all you fantasy players, since we were just talking about it, I'm a big fan of Antonio Brown this year. I think he's going to revert back to more of what you saw when he was a dominant fantasy player than what you got last year. Another year with Tom Brady all right, are you another ready? Year in the system. I'm all in on Tampa. So, here are your top – I'm going to go top six, okay? At number six, at plus 1,500 is Dallas Cowboys. Hey. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks at plus one thousand. Right. Really? I don't get that. Wait, does the out. NFC West have three of the top six teams? Because that would be wild. San Francisco at plus six fifty. They do. Oh my god. LA Ram- LA Rams at plus six fifty. Even odds between the two of them. Which I I think that's absolutely right. Packers at plus six hundred. In proof of concept. Tampa Bay at plus two. And I don't don't have anything wrong with those. Although you say it's proof of concept. I'm the one that said I think they should be around three to one. And that's right there. No, I just mean in the sense that, like, they are almost three times more likely than the next closest. Fair, I guess. Um, no, I, I don't have I don't have much beef with those odds. Um, I find it interesting. We talked about the strength of the NFC West. Three of them, top six of the NFC. Um, for those keeping track I at home, there Seattle's are sixteen absurd. teams in the NFC. <laughs> Seattle. Seattle at plus one thousand. That's like throwing money. 
I mean, you got Russ Wilson in in the people and are gonna ride those. Yeah, you got Russ Wilson and a, and train. a Seahawk. That's your, I, you sure I, do. I I don't agree with it, but um, people are gonna ride that train. They have to price yeah. it accordingly. Shout out, shout um, out to Russell Wilson. Dallas He's doing a, a, a great job with and, the and, Russell Wilson NFL flag football team. In Dallas, Dallas actually just makes sense because, because they are good. Dallas. Dallas has a free ride to the playoffs. Um, and they should right. be able to. They should be able to rack up wins and host a playoff game or two. So, uh, it, it, while I disagree that they're going to do anything, um, putting them six doesn't really have them doing anything. So it's, it's it's not like Vegas has them going super far. But certainly, I feel like that's a pretty fair spot for them, given that they have a free division, pretty much. I mean, outside of outside of a very aggressive attacking. Almost like to the bone marrow team in Washington. Well, we'll be uh... Ryan. Do the thing. Hey yo. Well, make sure that you guys follow us for more uh, more fantasy advice, more football. I believe we're doing AFC next week is what was decided. But to hear that podcast, right. to rewind this podcast because there's surely stuff you miss because we're all just so layered and complex. You guys can check us out on Podbean, <laughs> on iTunes, um, even on Google Podcasts. If you just type our name right there in the Google bar, boom, we pop up. And then make sure you follow us on our social media, Twitter, Sports Carnage, Facebook, Sports Carnage Podcast, and then YouTube, which is Sports Carnage as well. <laughs>